In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness in pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Tuesday, when we get a big old game dump just every Tuesday. That's what they do to us. Uh, oh, there's never any news. Podcast. No news. No Sorry. news except Tuesdays. Uh, it's Blizzard Watch Podcast. we got a special guest with us this week. Uh, you already know me and Joe, so I'm just going to introduce Corey. Uh, Corey Taylor, he writes for the site. He did, some, he did a post today that was the reason that he volunteered to come on, and we were really happy to have him because we want to have somebody else complain about this for a while. So, uh yeah, 9.1's on the PTR. A bunch of stuff has been data mined. There are going to be spoilers, guys. I'm just going to tell you up front. Uh, in order to talk about this, we have to give you spoilers. So if you don't want to hear them, that's totally cool. I understand. You you know, you got to do what you got to do to make sure you don't get spoiled. But we're going to talk about these things because, yeah, we kind of can't not. We can't ignore them. There's yep. just no way. There's no way. We have to talk about them. So, But before we do that, I'm going to briefly talk about the... Diablo 2 Resurrected Alpha, because I was in the technical alpha this past week. If you've been worried that this game is not going to feel like Diablo 2, stop worrying. This game is Diablo 2. It is in no way is it trying to not be Diablo 2. Every choice they've made that would have gone anywhere towards avoiding being Diablo 2, they chose to be Diablo 2 instead. That makes me happy. There are The graphics are improved and it looks much better. That's the only substantive change that they have made, that the game looks much better. Uh, the stash is account-wide. Like, you can have your character can go to their, their, their stash, and now you can make... You, can, you have to actually actively do this. It isn't by default. You have to put stuff in the shared group, but you can totally do that. And that's basically the only real change. I didn't notice if they put respecking in. And the reason that they might have is that Technically speaking, Diablo 2 has had respecking for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in 2010, there was a patch to Diablo 2. You might have missed it because at it's that point, Diablo 2, yeah, it was 11 <laughs> years ago and Diablo 2 was 10 years old at the time. But they put a patch in 
that added respecking to the game. And the way respecking worked was twofold. One was that you got a free talent respec every time you finished the initial quest, Den of Evil, on any difficulty. So if you did it on normal, you got one free respec. You did it again on, on um, I believe it was called Nightmare, you got an, another free respec. And you did it the third time on Hell difficulty, third and final respec. Mm-hmm. There's also a way to farm for respects by combining things from various bosses in the world, but I forget exactly how that worked. And it was exceedingly difficult, but it did exist. The option was there. That's the only way you could respect in Diablo. That is admittedly a patch from, from 10 years ago and not the original game. I don't know if they're going to bring it in or not. When I tested in the alpha, I did not notice it. And that's because I was so immediately taken back it felt like playing diablo like i i decided when i when i went in to play it i said i'll play it for half an hour i mean it's not going to do anything it's not going to surprise me i know how diablo 2 goes i'll play for half an hour i looked up six hours had gone by yep. and i played two characters through every you know conceivable part of content it's the diablo it's, trap is real still yeah it's it's diablo 2 that is what it is if you were worried it wasn't you can stop worrying if you don't how I will say, we, I did a post today, it went live, talking about how if you're not, if you came into Diablo from Diablo 3, or if you've come into action RPGs from games like Grim, Grim Dawn or Wilson or what have you, there are things that are different here. There's stuff that doesn't feel the same. Uh, one of the things that will trip you up is town portals and identify scrolls are extremely important in Diablo 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, if you played Torchlight and you're thinking, I played Torchlight, I know how Diablo 2 goes. Get ready to cry when you don't have a pet to take your loot back to town and sell it for you. Yep. So you are going to have to go back to town a lot. Or it beg slows- and choose what you take in your bags because there yeah. are some points where you're like, I don't have a scroll right now, so I guess I'm just doing this. I yeah, watched and- Liz P play it, and it was it, every five minutes was like a trip back to town because yep. she was full of potions. She had a, a, a couple items and then just like very full gear the entire time. Yeah, it's just it is it is how it is. It is the way the gameplay was. It's the way the gameplay is. Also, the duping bug has already been recreated on the alpha. <laughs> yes, people that recreated so that happy. like within an hour of of the alpha being live. To so, quote a very famous scientist, life uh, finds, finds a way. A way. <laughs> yeah, it, it did absolutely. So if you don't know what the duping bug is, um. It's so much a part of Diablo 2 that I don't know how to, to describe it effectively. But basically, you could you could juke the game so you could make items get duplicated uh, via selling, I believe. And uh, Selling or dropping on the ground. There was yeah. one that you could also drop on the ground, have a friend keep the game open, crash your game, get back in, and have everything still in your inventory and everything still laying on the ground. Because uh, we used to do that a lot, too, with uh, having multiple accounts or multiple uh, logins. We would uh, keep a game open because it, it will only work on a network game. Uh, dump everything, crash your client on the one that you want everything duplicated on, log back in, you'd have all of your loot, and then you'd just be able to pick up everything off the ground. That's why, uh, uh, what is it, Staff of Jordans used to become a a, a, a currency. <laughs> So that that's been recreated. So even even the bugs and flaws are there. This is a game that's trying extremely hard to give you as close to the experience as you can. Um, so, but it also looks really pretty. 
Oh, it's beautiful. Um, and you can turn the original graphics back on if you want to compare it. Uh, when when the next time they test this thing, if you get in, you can turn the graphics back to original Diablo 2 and look at it the way it looked then. And then you can turn them to the new, like, up-to-date, much, much higher res models. While and, I was watching Liz, I she was running around a little pillar, and we were we were marveling because it has light and shadows. And I'm like, oh, yeah. quick, turn it back to old graphics to let's see what it looks like in old graphics. And then we laughed because there was no shadows. Are we yeah, crazy? I, the game was 2004. No, the game was 2000. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it did not have them. Mm -hmm. um, a, a Diablo 2, when you go back and look at the original game now, it looks very much like looking at a game from 1970. Because the, the graphical set, the, the there's a... A, an article that, that Stephen King wrote talking about old films called the visual set where he mentioned that, you know, movies that look good at the time don't look good now because our expectations for them evolve. Yep. As, as effects get better, as cinematography gets better. This is also true in video games and it's very much true. Diablo two resurrected just, it just says, Oh, that updated visual set you have that you expect games to look like here it is. This is what you expect this game to look like. And in no way does it look like, oh, we're messing with it. It just looks like a, like a high-fidelity remaster. It's, it's amazingly good. It's good. It's amazing how much it is good because it doesn't do anything to change it. Which I think is what we really wanted, right? Like, I mean, at least I'm in that camp. I'm one of those folks that, like, I want the game to be as, as much as the original soul as possible because that's the game that I fell in love with. I yeah maybe doing some of the later stuff like adding the the respec things later on I'd be okay with that just because it was part of the game before Diablo 3 ever existed so why not like it, it but I'm I'm excited I'm excited for this more so than I was with everything that happened with Warcraft 3 Reforged because Warcraft 3 Reforged promised everything delivered almost nothing and then just existed this on the other hand Seems like it's delivering exactly what it's promising, which is the Diablo 2 experience, and that's all like, I need. It feels I, like, this, yeah, it's much more along the lines of the StarCraft Reforged. I mean, StarCraft Remastered was. Yeah, was that Corey? That, does that mean that a, a uh, Carbot skin pack for Diablo 2 Remastered is that far away? <laughs> I'd like to see it, but frankly. <laughs> it was his April Fool's joke. Y yeah, well, that a lot of April Fool's jokes have a tendency to become real things, Pandaren. true. <laughs> I I I, I want to move on because there's really not too much more to say. It's very good so far. Like the acts one and two are the ones I played. The uh, Blood Raven fight is uh, beep yeah, as, it, as it should be. <laughs> I actually found the the Andario fight to be less awful than Blood Raven. Like Blood Raven is my personal bet noir. I, I hate that fight. I mean, in a in a way that you want to you want to kill it, hate it. Not like I'll quit mm -hmm. the game. It, but I think on hell difficulty I would be like tearing my hair out. But that's Diablo too. I mean, that's the game. I was I went into this not really thinking I would like it, like because I wasn't. It, I liked Diablo two fine, but I've been a big Diablo three player. I've like really liked Diablo three, and I thought that it, it and it is very different. It has Diablo three and other games like Grim Dawn or like Walson or like the Warhammer one have really changed how I look at ARPGs. This game is the game they're all reacting to. This game's the game where everybody's like, either we're going to rip it off, or we're going to like, oh no, we'll have this to make that easier. This game has none of that. None of those those refinements. No torchlight pets. No easy town portal whenever you want. 
No, identify things just by clicking on them. None of that. This game has all those things that the, made the original game what it is. So, either you have anything else to say about it before we move on? No. Can't wait to play it. Yeah, that's about it. All right, here we go. Uh, now then, we will talk about the patch 9.1 shenanigans. If you're avoiding spoilers, I'm going to suggest you avoid the rest of this podcast because I don't know how much more of this will happen. Uh, it's not like I can, you know, call your house and tell you, okay, you can come back now. But you know what you're getting into. You accepted it. You're here. <laughs> you're here because you want the spoilers. You know it. Um, first up, I'm going to actually let Corey talk because he. the first thing I want to talk about is the Raider score issue. Um, the Raider score. Okay, so as we all know, Raider IO has been a thing for the last four years uh, of Mythic Keystones, which is it is a score that is aggregated outside of the game based off of the highest keystone that you have completed, whether it's on time or not. They they take that all into account, and the higher keystones you run, the more points you get. Blizzard has looked at that and said, you know what, we like that idea, and we're going to move it into the game proper. Uh, now, on its face, it is just a tool that lets you see how well you have done in any given instance or collection of instances and proves that you can run that content. So when you're looking for groups, you can point to it and say, look, I have completed all of these dungeons already. Don't just take my word for it. Here's a website that says I have done that and has assigned a value. On its flip side, though, as we all know, players will be jerks to each other and they will do everything in their power to make sure that their run is going to succeed, which means that they will look for stupidly high requirements to get in. You know, you must have this many credits on IMDB. Your IO score must be in the mid-17,000s, et cetera, et cetera. So now Blizzard is moving this into the main game in its own form. After having actually worked with Raider IO to look at their algorithm and adapt it for the use in real well. And um, yeah, it's going to go live in patch 9.1. I'll be up front. I don't do a lot of Mythic Plus plugging. Like if I go on a Mythic uh, dungeon, I go with my, my guild. So I don't think this will affect me too much. But I know it will make life a lot harder for friends of mine who do pug. Yeah, and yep. it's already pretty hard to pug Mythic. I mean, it's already, they're still, they're already using Radar.io. They're already doing that. But making it part of the game means that any group that, like, it's just going to become so much more widespread. And it's going to make people, that, like, suffer. That's my problem with this. And, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, like, I've been waiting to kind of talk about this for a little while. You're basically codifying at this point by putting it as an official system in the game that it's okay to gatekeep. And that I have a huge problem with because, again, it's not those super high-end mythic keys that I'm worried about because those people were always exclusionary in min-maxing uh, classes and talent choices and specs and everything like that. And that's fine. But all this is going to do now is give another avenue for ca like other players that want to pretend they're that high level to now gatekeep people 
who maybe don't necessarily have a good Raider IO score because they're coming to mythic pluses late. And I am a really good cross-section for this because I generally don't push mythic keys except for two instances. One, before raiding at the beginning of an expansion where my guild is still getting up to uh, snuff with gear because that's what we're doing to make sure people have con uh, like gear. Um, but also because there's only so many tanks per guild, sometimes you have to pug stuff. Um, and because there's only so many healers and, and whatever, sometimes you wind up pugging stuff. Uh, but then I don't touch usually mythic pluses until later on in the expansion. And when I get to that point, I'm already fighting an uphill battle of, well, you don't have these key scores. You don't have this on Raider IO. And it's like, yes, but I solo healed this, you know, heroic boss in, in raid because I'm that much of a, a bad blank and nobody cares. And now they're basically making it part of the game where it's like, if I don't have that score, it's okay to tell me to go sod off. Without and, that score, though, there are a million other ways for people to, to exclude people from groups. But uh, it's but it becomes less acceptable for the casual player to now have a, a measuring stick to do that. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you could you point to raids and say, look, you can't join this raid unless you already have the ahead of the ahead of the curve for clearing heroic sure and you're like but it's just a normal raid and they're like well we want ahead of the curve people only but now it also but now it also falsify and here's my other side of the coin right there's this whole concept of pretending to be good in game and here's what i'm going to say about it and this is not a shot at people who struggle with this game but there are people in the game that play that don't have the skills to do those higher level keys and pay people to carry them or pay people to carry them through raids, whether it's gold, real life money, whatever. We know Blizzard tries to crack down on it, but they do it because when they want to go do some certain other content, they're told you can't do it because you don't have that ahead of the curve. You don't have that Raider IO score. I actually right. legitimately know people that pay to get their Raider IO score up. How is that going to happen now that it's part of the game? Probably the same way. Yeah, so now it's going to be worse, right? Because now it's codified. This is my opinion. I, I don't know. I can't prog prognosticate the future. But by making it a part of the game and by the way they're doing it, it actually seems like it's almost worse than Raider IO. And it's... We're... Go ahead. I don't think that it, would, it could be worse than Raider IO. They're saying that they're going to... They've worked with Raider IO and they're, they're going to do mostly what the Raider IO is doing. So I can't see how it'd be worse than them. The only the only thing that Raider IO has as a benefit right now is that it also comes with a whole swack of stats and stuff. So you can say when you're visiting someone's Raider IO page, if you're visiting their actual page well, uh, it, on the website rather than through the add-on, you can see how close they were to timing something or how many times they've run that dungeon that day. But I think that's important because like it because not only does it give you that, it also tells you what the affixes were for that week. And and certain things, certain affixes, we know this. Anybody who's done a Mythic Plus knows some affixes are worse than others for certain class combinations. So I could have a fantastic score and be absolute dog garbage at dealing with a very specific mechanic and have nothing to really, you know, justify that or, or show that. Whereas Raider IO, as it is right now, as a separate function, as a separate functionality, has all that data pulled into it. Blizzard now putting that in the game is just like a UI thing. It's not going to have all that data. There's no way it can. There's no way. No, that, we know. 
I, I would haven't seen anything yet. I would be very suspect if all of a sudden a system that large gets pulled into the game UI the way that it is. Because that's such a massive undertaking, I would expect anything of that major of an overhaul, especially pulling in that data in any capacity, would break something pretty profoundly. Again, all this is my opinion, but I just, and I know people are telling me, oh, it's it's different than rating or, you know, it's going to be the same as it always was. I think it's going to get worse. And I said the same thing when Raider IO started becoming more standardized. I said the same thing when uh, EPIN was a thing. Um, which turned into item level. Which and- turned into item level. And item level is a little bit different, though, because that's Here's just... Thing, I'll, be, I'll be the one to say this. Item level, we've gotten used to it. But it still sucks. Well, not that it sucks. It it created a, a system that it still exists where you people just don't get to do content unless their item yeah. level's high. And that's codified and in the has, game. It's codified in the game to the point where the dungeons won't let you in anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there was a time when you could just, you know, you could zoom. Well, you can still you could walk in, in the front door. Yeah, but you can because, always walk in the front door. Because walking in the front door has become practically as like a third hand thing to do. It's not, like, the, I remember it's not the common. Yeah, it was. It was easier for me to run Mythic Plus at the beginning of this expansion than it was for me to run heroic dungeons. Mm-hmm. Because Mythic Plus just and nobody could get in unless they used the front door, so it didn't matter. And I mean, I've got a weird situation where I've got a couple of Mythic dungeons at a high Keystone because I was carried. Because I'm blind, guys. I do not do well in Mythic dungeons. I'll be up front. Um, I was carried through those dungeons, so I look like I know what I'm doing. But I don't, and I, I we'll see what what that happens. I'm not a hundred. I'm not as negative as Joe is on this. I think it has problems. I think anytime they do this kind of thing, it has problems. But I think also the game evolves and adapts to them, and then new things get weird and bad, and it's just life. I, think I am that, interested in seeing this. I think that players will always find a way to stack the odds in their favor when they're pugging. Because yeah, uh, that's exactly what this is going to be used to do. Mm-hmm. It's basically. Yeah. I want people who already know how to do it so we don't have to have any wipes. We don't have to learn it. Nobody has to be told what to do or how to have the fight explained to them. It's a way to take that aspect of the game away from people because you don't because these people don't feel like dealing with it. And and part of that uh, to me feels like it. Uh, and, and again, this is totally personal opinion that takes away a piece of the soul of the game to me, because part of this game is learning and adapting. And we talk about this when we talk about classic versus vanilla. Wow. And the idea of like that sense of community around it. This is just another and this is maybe hyperbolic to say, but this is just another way of like removing that sort of interpersonal exchange. It's now looking at a number as opposed to, hey, do you think you can do this? Like the Joe, ultimately, at the end of the day, I was more agreeing with you, but then you you said the magic words taking away that interpersonal exchange. And now I agree with you less and I want to <laughs> see this. Because interpersonal exchange has always been bad in World of Warcraft for me. The game for me is better when I don't have to, like when they made LFD, so I didn't have to talk to groups anymore. I could just show up, tank them and leave. I did a lot more dungeons. Sure. The, my average heroic, like looking for dungeon run now is me going into the dungeon as a tank saying, hi, friendos. I pulled the dungeon. We finished the dungeon. I say, thank you, friendos. And I'm out. Yeah. That but I also, something I, yeah. And so. I'm just saying like, I miss some of that, that, that experience. And I've talked about it before where it's like, the game will never be that again. I accept that. Like it's never going to be the collective learning experience that vanilla was, but it also, to me, almost, 
how does that system now act for players that want to learn it but now don't have the experience to go in? They make it their makes own us, run? That's a problem. I mean, for a lot of people, making your own run is really hard. But it is. Yeah. I do want to start moving on to talk about other things because sure. otherwise we'll be the entire show about this. Um, one of the other things that's coming is in 9.1, shoulders will be independent of each other. You can click a box and transmog just one of your shoulders to one look and another of your shoulders to another look. And, and I kind of want I want to cry, really. Honestly, I I kind of do. This has been I've been waiting for this since like I think May of last year mm-hmm. when they told us we were going to get it in 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 Shadowlands and then when Shadowlands came out and didn't happen and nobody even said anything about it nobody told me where it was and I was like where is it where is my shoulder transmog where so it's coming I've already logged on to the PTR because I have priorities guys things that are important uh, I logged on to the PTR and I immediately tested it and here here's what I experienced first off it's kind of broken at the moment like when you click the box it does give you each shoulder independently. But if you try and hide one of the shoulders, the other shoulder is also hidden. You cannot transmog only one of your shoulders to a hidden appearance. They both vanish when you do that. So that's that's a bug that needs to be fixed. Another thing is people have been asking about this uh, to the point where Anna asked in, in Discord today. If you tr- try transmogging, say, to a piece that only has one shoulder and you want to say perhaps transmog both shoulders like to, to that same shoulder model for whatever reason, you can't do that. Because when you click a shoulder to transmog to, it pulls the shoulder appearance for that specific shoulder. So, for instance, I'm wearing a piece right now on the stream. I'm wearing uh, Paladin shoulders that have different left and right shoulder models. There's a hammer on one shoulder and a book on the other shoulder. If I try to transmog the individual shoulders, I can only put the book shoulder on the right, and I yeah. can only put the hammer shoulder on the left. It does not allow me to flip them. It is pulling the specific shoulder model that is in the files. So as a result of that, if you try to transmog, say, the shoulder from from Scarlet Monastery, Herod's shoulder... If you tried to transmog your hunter shoulder to that, you could only transmog the shoulder that's in the set because the other shoulder, the model is actually not a model. There's nothing there. There's nothing for the file to call up. It will just transmog an, an empty space. And you can't flip it. You can't put the empty space on the other side. Uh, I don't. I think that will be somewhat fixed when they fix the bug about not being able to hide both shoulders. I mean, you can hide. You can only being able to hide both shoulders. But as of right now, that's something you can't do. However, you can mog two completely different shoulders, like from two different sets. As long as you can transmog the right shoulder to the right shoulder on your slot and the left shoulder to the left shoulder slot. You can't do left shoulder to right slot and right shoulder to left slot. Those will not cross. That probably uh, makes sense because there are shoulders that have weird asymmetrical. So it wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't just be a simple matter of reversing it because then yeah. you have like the tusks of Manoroth coming in front of your chest all of a sudden. There's reasons, yeah. I think that's one reason why. Like, like the set I'm using, I, I deliberately transmog to it to show off the hammer versus the book. I don't think that those are set up to be switched over. Um, they, it's very deliberately two separate models of shoulders. You can see that one's even a little bigger than the other. 
Uh, and that's on purpose. And that's something that you can't just flip around. I don't know. I don't think they're going to fix that. I think they're going to keep using the right and left shoulder models separately, but I do think they'll eventually allow you to hide one of them. Yeah. And I can see that. I can see like the hiding being a better option or at least something to work on versus, uh, trying to flip geometry on the shoulders. I'm actually okay with them trying to keep the shoulders in, you know, their respective left and right orientation. That doesn't bother me nearly as much uh, as some of the other things. I, I quite frankly expected that there'd be issues with that. Like, cause there's just, if you look at this hammer model in particular, I don't think there's a good way to flip it to be on the other side, but these, these shoulders are at least relatively okay. Corey mentioned the Tusk of Manoroth. That would be much harder. Um, those are those are two different models, and there's a series of there's a set of PvP armor I used to wear all the time that has a much larger light left shoulder than right shoulder, and I don't think you could flip that easily either. The mythic plus are the mop challenge mode sets are asymmetrical. There's a paladin PvP set from Cataclysm that's asymmetrical. It has the devil and angel motif going for it. Yeah, so. I, it's a work in progress, but it is in the game. You can go test it right now. I recommend that you do. Um, I recommend you go and test anything that they're doing. Uh, but yeah, so that covers that. Um, I don't know how spoilery we want to go. Do we want to talk about various models that have been data mined? I mean, we've already given the spoiler warning. I don't see why not. Well, the first one I'm going to talk about then, because uh, Corey, actually, you mentioned this. This is not a model, but it is interesting. In one of the fights in uh, the Sanctum of Domination, which is the, the raid inside Torghast. Uh, do you remember the name of the guy who's who's got our friend Gary? He is very... It has a very complicated name, and I've already said it three different ways. Uh, just checking it real quick. It's uh, He's a tormentor. He's one of the jailer's lieutenants. You know, that's all we really need, right? He's... in During the encounter, he is, he's there torturing Garrosh Hellscream, who is in in Torghast being tortured for his you know, his hubris and his anima. They're, they're stripping the anima out of him. So we're going to see Gary. We're going to see Garage Hellscream, this expansion. He's going to be in... Which I find interesting because in the previews, they showed him in Castle Nathria. Nathrius was working with the Jailer. It's possible. It's true. Gave. I just find it I just find it interesting that he's in Torghast. Who has yeah. more pride than Garage? Yeah, it would like, be like you giving your boss uh, like world's best boss present. You know, here's my favorite toy. Ha- here, have it. I, I really appreciate you as a boss. Well, I can think of a random paladin from Lordaeron who they might have served better. But yeah, he's <laughs> up there. Speaking of that guy, though, um, we are going to get to see the Lich King. Just wasn't the Lich King you were expecting. Uh, <laughs> the Remnant of Ner'zhul is a raid boss in Sanctum of Domination. Yep, fourth boss and or it, something like that. It it looks kind of like Marogar on steroids. It looks like that's a multi-phase fight, and or at some point he will turn into Marogar on steroids, at least from the Encounter Journal. Yeah, and I'm interested to see what's going on. We, we know from from what they've revealed in Shadowlands that Nirzul and and Arthas are both seen by the Jailer as failed experiments. They didn't give him what he wanted. Uh, it's quite possible that Nirzul has been spending his time inside Torghats getting tortured for having failed the Jailer. We don't we don't know the details yet. But it is interesting that we've got a new Nerzul model, and we know that he's going to be uh, he's going to be a fight in in Torghast. Another new model, and this one's one that uh, I think we've all been pretty interested in getting to see, is the Primus uh, from 
Maldraxxus. Mm-hmm. And I, people are like talking about this model. We don't know what the model's used in yet. He might be in the Guardians of the First Ones fight. We're not sure. It's possible this means that the Runecrafter is not the Primus. I feel like the jury is still out on that one, but once I see actual evidence that it's not the case, I will be the first to admit I was wrong. Um, until I see that, I'm not going to. I still think it could be that the Primus is the Rune Carver. Um, if he's not the Rune Carver, then I want to know who the Rune Carver was. Yeah, because seriously, I mean, the, this is it the guy like who, they've been hiding it, right? So, yeah. If if the Primus is not the Rune Carver, the Rune Carver knew how to make the helm and and and, so, and helm of domination in Frostmourne. You know, that's where the the, the uh, jailer got those designs from. Okay, who is this guy? How did he know how to do that? Like the, we were told, the Primus was this master of rune crafting. What's he been doing this whole time? Why? You know, what's going on? So uh, it could be a flashback. We could be seeing the Primus back when he was at the coal. Who knows? Uh, but we will find out. That's interesting, though. Um, and finally. There's a new Sylvanas Windrunner Banshee model. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this. Sylvanas is the end boss of this fight. I mean, of this uh, raid. Yeah. It's the last fight is Sylvanas. Uh, did either of you get to look at this model? It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. What do you think it means for the, the fight as a whole? Well, the red tint makes me think of all that juicy... Uh, Reverend Wrath Anima, so maybe it is uh, fully juiced up, ready to fight Sylvanas. So, I mean, we'll probably wind up talking about this a little bit on Lore Watch, but I have a feeling that it's going to... If there's going to be a swerve, it's going to be in that moment. And I think it's going to be something with either her wrestling that power away to try to work on her own agenda, or something along that line. Because, yeah, she's got that 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 red look with the eyes, the the sort of immaterial-ish legs going on, sort of that fading in and out of existence. It looks very epic, but it also looks like a molding uh, or almost like an ultimate evolution of what we've already seen her do. Because don't forget, in the, in the Battle for Lordaeron, she bamps out into the Banshee for a moment, right? And yeah. she almost completely uh, discorporates. Here it's like this in-between state, like she's drawing on the power of both forms. So I think this might wind up being like another evolution of what she's doing or where she's going after this. But I, I think, I think it's also going to be indicative that I don't think we're actually going to kill her or bring her down at the end of that fight. I don't think her time is yet. Now the, there isn't many details about the fight, but we do know that it is taking place in multiple phases and culminates at the nexus of the Shadowlands. Yes. So uh, is that is the nexus of the Shadowlands Oribos? Is that where the Arbiter is? So are we going to be fighting her next to the Sleeping Arbiter and her final act is to attack the Arbiter, wake up the Arbiter, the Arbiter wakes up and takes care of her for us? Or it could be the rip that they tore in the sky. Yeah, we don't know. Then, for that matter, we might find out the nexus of the Shadowlands is someplace else entirely. Yeah, it's entirely possible. As of right now, though, uh, the thing I'm interested in is all that stuff you guys are just talking about. The Sylvanas's fate is fascinating to me, but 
<clears throat> I'm waiting for you to talk about the Eye of the Jailer. Yeah, well, the <laughs> Eye of the Jailer, that's, we already know that that's Odin's eye. Well, we have confirmation of it now, right? Yeah, they, they revealed that, but they revealed it straight up. They said it in uh, BlizzCon line, but I am still pretty amazed by that. That's going to be an issue. We're going to get to see that. That's going to take a lot of stuff and tie it together. Um, there's just, I'm, I'm thinking about how to talk about this. We're going to finally get to see, uh, one of the things we're going to get to see in this, in this patch is Corthia. And one of the things that's involved in Corthia is the dreadlords. We're finally going to get to see the dreadlords connection to, to, to Nathrius, uh, because keep in mind the dreadlords real name is the Nathrizim. So we're finally going to get to see the Dreadlords connection to Castle Nathria and Denathrius and all that. And, and the fact that the Dreadlords are involved in Corthia implies that they're working for the Jailer. Well, and they kind of are, too, because if you look at going back to the raid encounters, the Fate Scribe uh, Rokalo. Right? Like, you have Fate Scribe Rokalo, which is uh, was uh, one of the Fate Scribes entrusted with uh, Corthia's secrets. So, like... You have to fight this person that the Mossworn have had. That, yeah, that's they. He, that their entire purpose was those, right? And then the idea of like this is a fate weaver as well, which is you know a whole other weird concept. But yeah, so yeah, I think you're on the right path there. But it's it makes sense. Yeah, there's going to be a lot to it. Another thing that's that they found this is just data mined, and it we not clear on exactly what it means. Uh, but I'm going to bring it up because it's interesting to me. Uh, one of the things that they found is strings that seem to be referencing, and this is new patch 9.1 stuff, is strings that reference bonus rolls. Mm, yep. Uh, again, don't know what these are. <laughs> don't know what this means. doesn't mean we maybe we're getting bonus rolls back. Maybe we're not. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you two. What do you guys think? Corey first. What do you think if, about bonus rolls possibly coming back? I would like to see them back because the, the definitely the targeted nature of them over the random nature of the vault uh, has definitely been missed. Uh, I don't know that for sure we're going to get them back, but it would show that Blizzard has been listening to people's complaints about the lack of bonus rolls now since it's been two expansions, three expansions where we haven't had them. And oh, we had them. We, we had, had them. them in, we had them in BFA. Yeah. No, no. It's, sorry, it's we've had we had them for three expansions and now. Okay, you just said it backwards. Got yeah. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm personally there's still a lot of randomization to a bonus roll. Um, quite frankly, I've always felt like the fact that you roll on a bonus roll and you might get nothing, and you you know it's targeted to the boss, but it's just his loot table. Like so, if you know he or she has an item you want, you might get something you don't want. The, the bonus roll doesn't guarantee you get the item you want. But at least narrow your scope. Yeah, it, just, it narrows your scope. I, I I can see it coexisting with the Great Vault pretty effectively. I don't see any reason why you can't have both. And I don't think it will really hurt the game if they do it. Yeah, I would agree. But I don't know that they're going to do it. I could see them not doing it just because they it's not their vision for how they want gearing to work. Yeah. Um, and And if that happens, I will be upset and I'll cry. But I don't think it's, it will not be a surprise to me if this is something else. Um, it's possible they might bring it back for something like Mythics. Because a lot of people have, you know, they brought in a system in this, in the patch 9.0.5 that allowed you to, you know, just 
scale your mythic up. You know, you got mythic loot, you can just keep increasing its item level. I could see them adding this possibly there to, to, to help, you know, contradict the problems that mythics have been having. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. But Joe, what would you think if it came back? I'd be very excited. I've been a, I've been a big proponent of bringing it back uh, since I reluctantly admitted that you were 100% correct about the Great Vault. Um, you, it's just one of those things where, like, I think that of the two, at least you feel like you have some form of agency over a bonus roll to us to a, at least a small extent uh, versus the loot that comes in the great vault, which can be from anything you've done. And I think because it's so broad and yet feels so narrow when you get the same piece of loot every week or multiple times in the same week that instead of doing that, letting players have some form of agency saying, no, this boss has a thing I want. At least I can use my, my chance here would feel a little bit better. Even if you don't get what you're looking for, at least you feel like you've made an effort on your part. Um, I'm really good. Like the great vault, because it's let me get a couple pieces of transmog that would have been really annoying to get because my raid stopped killing those bosses. Sure. And I think, I think there's, and like I said, I think with with Matt, I think there's a place where both can exist. One doesn't have to preclude the other. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. So I also will say that, um, one of the things I've thought about for a while is it'd be interesting if, if they took anima and gold off of this, you don't, don't make it give you anima and gold, you roll and you, maybe you always get something, but it could be any drop off of the boss. Like you don't, you don't get to pick what you get, so you could end up, you know, getting the same bracers eight weeks in a row, uh, and you will because that's my life. But I feel like nobody wants gold. Nobody does a bonus roll wanting to get gold, and that needs to be thought about when they do. So, it. what if then, if spitballing here off of that idea, so that would mean, let's say that you run your raid for the week, uh, you you don't get your piece of loot, but you kill nine bosses. And having killed nine bosses in the new Sanctum of Domination, on Tuesday, when you go to your Mythic chest, or you go to the Great Vault, and you click on it, you have a fourth option for having completed the raid tier, where you get a bonus roll for the raid, or, you know, however they want to award it. But you get a single bonus roll that will guarantee you a piece of loot on whatever boss you do it on. Because I can't think of the... There has to be a high cost of entry if it's a guaranteed piece of loot for it to yeah, be. That would make sense. I would, I would not be opposed to that sort of thing. But I don't necessarily think a guaranteed piece of loot needs a cost, high cost of entry because a guaranteed piece of loot is not necessarily good. If it's True. loot you don't want, it doesn't matter that it was guaranteed. Yeah, you were going to get a piece of loot no matter what, but it's that trinket that you hate. You know, that that can happen. But that's, I, I guess, yeah, but you're still guaranteeing that uh, your pool of items or, possible would be four things rather than 30 or, things. Or Red has a really good point in chat. Uh, what if instead of like going back to the whole gold thing, instead of maybe having a guaranteed piece of loot or something like that, if instead of giving you gold, it gives you valor points, which again, to go back to the system that you talked about, they introduced to sort of help yeah. with that. You give valor points, which again, gives players a little bit of agency in choosing only, what they upgrade. Only if they let valor points work on stuff that didn't drop in mythic dungeons. If Valor Points still only work on stuff from Mythics, then it's only useful to people who run Mythics. And then sure. But I think at this point we've talked about this as much as we should for something that, that's absolutely not guaranteed to happen. I will, I'm will. i going to throw it over briefly to something else. 
Namely, have you looked at the weapon drops? I have not. Oh my god, the weapon drops. They are so pretty. Um, they look amazing. I just, uh, I just kind of accept that I'm not going to see a weapon for a long time because that's how it always works. <laughs> there's some really cool pole arms. There's some really nice two-handed weapons. Uh, there's a Chalamet model. Yeah. I, I uh, heard somebody somebody tweeted that at me. Uh, whoever it was, thank you. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, I saw I saw somebody say something about that. There's a Yeah, I wanted them to have a Chalamet model uh, since they did artifacts and didn't make Chalamet one of them. I was like, are you kidding me? But it is, it's definitely the evil Chalamet. It's not, you know, Chalamet the way it used to look, but it's still pretty cool. Um, and I'd love to get it. It's a two-hand sword. There's a, there's a lot of interesting models here. There's some dungeon models here that are really interesting. Those have to be the new Tazavish. Yeah, I would mm-hmm. assume. Stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Assume. There's also one that's just called Guillotine Two-Hand Maw. I don't know what it if it's an axe or a sword. It looks like the thing that the jailer was carrying around for a bit. Though. I mean, I want it to be an actual guillotine you carry around. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think that'd be pretty great. Just get, your, get your head over here. Come here. Come here. <laughs> yeah, nobody's going to put their head in that for you, man. But those are also really cool. There's a ton of stuff. Um, there's the the new system for getting mounted up in the maw is coming. Uh, Corey, you want to talk about that real fast? Uh, basically, it's pretty much in the first quest chain that when you get sent to the new Corthia area, the first quest chain has you being able to mount, as far as I have seen so mm-hmm. far, which is great. There's no there's no barrier to entry for that, so players will be very happy. Well, non-Druids, non-Worgans, non-Shaman players will be very happy. Because that was always Wait, such a... Worgan can do their running wild. Running wild, yeah. Wow, I did not know that. It's not. It doesn't count as a, it doesn't count as a mount. It's a racial thing. Same as go. That's wow. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah, I bet Torin are really kicking themselves now that they got they didn't get planes running. Dude, planes running. I've always said it was better than any Kodo. It's not such a Kodo or Dormal. So they are wrong. But uh, yeah, so that's. I think at this point, I mean, we've got just enough time to maybe do two questions. Speaking we of should mounts, at least though, try. Okay, go ahead. They have data mined. First off, Sylvanas has a mythic mount. Yeah. Uh, so for the hardcore people who are out there and they get down mythic Sylvanas before the release of the next tier, they will get a very cool looking uh, Dragon Hawk, Dragon Hawk yep. named Vengeance. Which is uh, great. <laughs> it looks amazing. Very excited to eventually get it in three expansions. Three expansions? I'm still waiting on uh, Invincible. It's been how long now? <laughs> oh, just, man, don't remind I'm, me. I'm patting my Invincible now. <laughs> then I'll get on my, my uh, Mim's head, which I also have. But the glory of Mount, which is much more accessible for me, uh, is the new hand model, where you it's a severed hand, and you're riding on the stump where the wrist is. Yeah, I'm all for and that. I cannot wait. I was very worried that it was going to be the Mythic-only Mount, because it is such a cool, unique kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that would fit right in with being a mythic only mount, but uh, the devs must realize that it's much better to have a bunch of players rolling around riding on hands than just a few. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's try and do some questions. I don't know how many we'll get, but um, if you have a question for the show, you can email them to us at podcast.blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch so we know it's for the show. Or you can use our Discord server. We have a Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel and a Q Questions channel, both of which we look into. The Patreon one we look at first because you guys pay for the site. So we'd like to give you a little something. Uh, Joe, reasons for us. So go ahead, Joe. Absolutely. Our first one comes from Jack Jack. 
A question for all y'all. You have to come up with another alt-universe expansion. Where are we going? Why are we going there? How does it progress the overarching plot? One question. <laughs> What's that? I said, so we're doing one question because yeah. there's no getting through this one and then get to another one. Corey, you got any ideas before Joe and I do our usual thing? Any of the Heroes of the Storm crossovers we've already gotten? The the, the Flip the Night Elves one where Malfurion is the Demon Hunter and Illidan is the Shondo? Give me that. Give me any of the Hearthstone expansions. Uh, where The Lich King one where all the, the main heroes turn, turn into lieutenants for the Lich King. Oh man, I would, I'd love to play in that sandbox for a while. Or just give me expanded gadgets then. That would be amazing. Oh yeah, the those mean streets of gadgets and one. Okay, I get you. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Bro, what you got? Honestly, I really like the idea of an alternate Azeroth. I, I like this idea of going back to a land where we kinda know what's going on, but it's just slightly different. Do the whole Draenor thing. But with Azeroth, like you said, where Malfurion is the demon hunter, uh, where, I mean, you could do any number of things with that, but I just think it'd be cool to have, like, a what-if Azeroth. Like, do you mean, like, here's my question, then. Are you talking, like, the exact Azeroth that the Draenor from Warlords of Draenor didn't invade, or do you yeah. just mean any? Yeah, you do. You do. You can do something like that where it riffs off of that. Where here's an Azeroth. Here's an Azeroth that never got invaded. Here's what happens. What about an Azeroth where we never stop some of the big bads from vanilla? So, the Eastern Kingdoms is more Firelands than not, and we've got a big Encourage excursion happening over on Kalimdor. I mean, I'd be down for that. What about you, Matt? The one I keep coming back to, the one I keep thinking about, the one that keeps crawling into my head over and over again is, do you remember the uh, the original World of Warcraft cinematic with yeah. all the various people fighting? Yeah. And then there's one that one warlock who reaches up and the thing comes crashing down and it turns into a, you know, it's it's a it's a demon. It's the giant rock demons that infernal. Yeah, the infernal. Instead of that. It's a Zerg. <laughs> and the Zerg invade Azeroth. And the, right, Draenei, yeah. the Draenei call out for help. And the Protoss show up. And they turn out to be, like, their allies. Arthur's and, the King of Blades. Yeah, no, no, because that's the other thing. While all that's happening, some warlock gets desperate enough to reach out to entirely new demons to make a pact and start summoning Diablo and Mephisto and Baal to Azeroth to fight the Zerg. So you, so you want the Nexus? Yes, I want the actual yeah. Nexus on Azeroth. I, you were talked about. You was talking about Hearth, like uh, Heroes of the Storm, and I was like, oh, please don't let him say. Oh, he didn't say it. All right, cool. Just <laughs> skip here. Skip the Nexus and just have them all invade Azeroth. It's like every Blizzard property. Blackthorn shows up and makes you know starts killing stuff. So I guess the question then at that point becomes, then how does it advance the story, which is the second part? Completely derails the story in a major way, and it's never fixed, and it's probably the last expansion they ever do. Because <laughs> I'm fully aware that this is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so Maybe I've... it's just, we, we get our hands on some, you know, Dark Portal technology, and we, we make our own 
portals without, you know, the copious amounts of Draenei souls that needed to open them up. And we just kind of take a little trip over to the Nexus. We don't, they, we don't get invaded by them, but we go and we experience the fun over there. See, and I think it'd be fun if you do the alternate Azeroth, like the reason you go there is because we still don't know what happened after the events of us essentially getting our now brown orc brothers into the horde, uh, brothers and sisters into the horde. Once we brought them over, after we saved them from being purged by the light, what that universe looks like. And it's one of those things where despite some of the weird storytelling with Ural, which I still don't like, I would like to explore that a little bit more because I'm kind of curious what the rest of that universe looks like, what those other planets exist, what the Pantheon, uh, you know, what their world looked like if there was no Dark Portal invasion, uh, what Azeroth, you know, happened if there was no uh, orc settlement essentially uh, coming to the planet and causing all that mayhem. Um, Because I think it would be interesting and that could be part of our exploration stuff that we've been looking at maybe possibly doing of, Hey, you know, this is a great thing. Like maybe we could see some of the potential futures or, or what could have been, maybe it gives us inspiration for what we can do back home. But it also would be cool because at the end of the day, it's not our Azeroth in peril. If it is, it's not necessarily a world ending uh, event that we're 100% totally invested in because it's, technically shouldn't even exist to begin with. And it also ties in with something we talked about on lore watch, um, which is, Hey, what if instead I got derailed by chat? Sorry, auto Luke, you, I, I'm looking at you. Uh, what if I, I completely lost my train of thought. Goodness. Well, all right, we'll move on. Then. Yeah. Sorry. Let's move on. Sorry. We got one more question then, if you want to go ahead and read it, Joe. Sure. Uh, hey there, the legendary system this go-around does not interest me. I have the first one and only have to help me break the LFR gear score barrier. Uh, any, uh, any I was looking at upgrading the thing, but I won't. Do I need to buy a new base item and misses every time? Can I just skip to the last item? Uh, seems a waste to purchase the lower ones, only to have to buy the top one anyway. Suggle Kitten. I don't remember if you have to get missives, but I do know you have to buy the base item over and over again because it comes in different levels. Just, just the item. It it does come in at different levels, yes. Uh, you do not have to buy missives, and if you want to skip from rank 1 to rank 4, you can do that. Yeah, if you, you have the uh, Soul Ash banked, you, yeah. just have to, you have to have the piece, which of course is really expensive when you get to the rank 4 one. And then you uh, just you have the Soul Ash banked, you can just you know go and jump in one go. What's the max level? Four. It's rank four. Um, I saw someone mention somewhere in relation to 9.1 data mining that there was not going to be any additional ranks of crafted base item legendaries. But I Perf- have not been able to take that grain of salt. I have not been able to see any. Yeah, they were also saying that there was a data mine thing where instead of uh, instead of doing that to increase the item level, there's just an item that you're going to get from a, a drop or an unknown source that's not necessarily getting another crafted base piece and then getting a whole bunch of soul ash. I don't know either on that one. But yeah, basically you do have to do that. In terms of, you know, getting your point about the system itself, I I upgraded my main legendary, I think, once, and that's all I've done so far because I just haven't really... It it has... I'm waiting for them to change the way the legendaries work because the legendary power I got just isn't that great. I, I just... 
don't really feel like any of them are doing what I want them to do. I got the ring and the ring is probably the best one for me, but it's, it's not tremendously exciting. So we'll see. I mean, I, I kind of agree. I've, we've talked about the legendary system before we've said what we thought about it. I don't feel like we need to go again, but Corey's here. So if you have anything you want to say about it, I totally understand the reasoning for what they did. They wanted to make crafting professions feel other than alchemy and enchanting and jewel crafting feel like they were worth something for the entire expansion. But in hindsight, they missed the mark because upgrading one of those base items to rank four, being able to craft a rank four yourself, impossibly expensive. It's just, it was expensive beyond the, the thing that any one person could reasonably expect to do. I mean, unless you're, you're, on my... if, you're, if you're carrying around millions of gold, you can do it. But otherwise, yeah. and even in then, theory, it's a... you'll sell all the ones that you create while leveling up to yeah. help defray the costs. But on, on the other hand, that's just for one thing. If you wanted to do a complete set of your own, then you're SOL unless you're a guild funneling resources into a single person, which a couple of guilds on my server did do. So I have access to rank fours, but for a cost that is too high to justify more than two. And and even then, like some depending on your server, your rank cost might be different, right? Uh, it might be uh, on my server, like the male helm, which is what I'm using for my legendary at rank four, is forty five k right now. Which yeah, that's a lot to some people, but like that's a drop in the bucket for me, or you know things like that. So who knows? Um, I got nothing as far as what the future will hold, as far as what that happens with. But once it's there, I guess we'll see. We'll see what the new items are, if any. Yeah. But I think at this point we're going to wrap it up because, well, we got four minutes. You think we can answer another one in four minutes? I think we could do another one. Uh, let me go to Good one shot. of the shorter ones. <laughs> uh, Good. Bring me another. <laughs> uh, we'll jump to the one from Tetsemi uh, question for Blizzard Watch why does Hearthstone have better WoW lore and story ideas than WoW does tongue only half firmly in cheek and then there's a link to the play Hearthstone meet the mercenaries uh, learn the stories of the 10 mercenaries featured in the year of the griffin uh, I still want Hearthstone's version of Gadgetsan I figured it was appropriate since Corey made that comment earlier yeah I I, I will say this I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you can't really argue better or worse it's subjective I think that Hearthstone gets to be more idiosyncratic. It gets to stick their tongue more firmly in the, in mm-hmm. the cheek, and it gets to focus on smaller scale stuff. Um, one of the things a lot of WoW players seem to like is smaller scale stuff. Uh, they don't want their character to be the big hero. They just want to be uh, an adventurer out having adventures. Hearthstone does that a lot. A lot of their expansions is, join our weird group of weirdos as we go do weird stuff. Come to this weird place and see weird things happening. You can be a turtle. Uh, you you know you can you can go to Gadgetzan. Um, their 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 Gilneas expansion did more about Gilneas than we got in WoW. Yeah, you know yep. that's just indisputable. You got to see more of Gilneas than we got to do in WoW. So I think that that's the focus of Hearthstone allows it to do stuff that is more idiosyncratic and and targets that urge to just get to see the smaller parts of the world to get to to get to go more in depth with things i think that's one of the reasons i'll let Corey go before i make my comment it's entirely about game game design and game crafting i think i don't think i think that wow would love to do all that 
uh, wacky and fun stuff. And I'd love. I bet that there is a, a bunch of devs who would love to expand Gadget Zen and play in that sandbox with everything that fits timeline-wise. Obviously, the Knights of the Frozen Throne is a little tough to pull off without a full expansion around it and time travel and alternate universes. But I think that it's much easier for developers who are doing this own little thing to focus on just one chunk of the world and write a fun little story about gadgets and and the three cartels that battle for supremacy there when they don't have to code a bunch of extra city space they don't have to give players something to do every week or every day or every month or however much the content would drop and it's very much just focused on you're still playing a card game there's just a bunch of flavor written around it much easier to write that and make that happen than a branching narrative or develop an open world sandbox kind of feel yeah and i think that plays a lot into it right like i think a lot of it also has to do with just sort of the scope and like what matt was saying a little bit of being tethered or or in the case of hearthstone not being tethered hearthstone sort of has carte blanche to do whatever it wants right like within reason to a certain point but like that's how we get things like gadgets and that's how we get things like uh the death knight expansion or uh or cards for everything because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's a one-off. It's a what-if. It's it's like those comic books back in the day where like you could tell a story that didn't necessarily have an impact on the greater overarching story. Um, you know, it wasn't like you told a story that had a bigger impact on the Marvel Cinematic Universe or something like that. It, Hearthstone has that sort of freedom where they can do whatever they want because it doesn't really make a difference to anything bigger. In WoW itself... Everything that happens sort of has to be done with the lens of how does it fit with everything else. And we have 16 years of content to sort of measure against. And so, and we talked about this when we interviewed Steve uh, 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 during BlizzCon, you have to kind of know where you're going. So doing those little fun one-off things, if it's not just a quest that doesn't really make a difference to the larger overarching story, it becomes way more problematic. Would they like to do more fun things and, and things that are wacky and out, like out of left field? Probably, but it's one of those, how does it fit with everything that's come before? It doesn't make a difference to the story that's being told. Um, and it's a larger player base as well. I, I don't know this for sure. But I think that the player base of WoW would also care a little bit more about continuity of story to a certain degree than a Hearthstone player would. And I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, Hearthstone players are definitely more willing to go along and see what you do. And that, they don't care if it if the Tortles are, are canon or not. And they weren't. When they were introduced in the uh, Angoro expansion, they were not canon. Mm-hmm got brought into wow because people like like ooh cool, cool turtle people let's just bring them in but you know th- that's the kind of thing you can do in hearthstone that you can't really do as much in wow yep hope oh, answers your question because i think that's it for us today I think so, too. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast lighting community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Oh, I want to say thanks also to you, Corey, for showing up and hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. It's been a bunch of fun. All right, and uh, that's going to be it for the podcast for this week. Uh, on behalf of Corey, Joe, and myself, I want to say thank you to everybody for being here. I'll spend the Blizzard Watch podcast, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
Damn you, Audie Luke. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.